0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. Viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. If you were asking me as a Georgia fan to tell you one of the lowest points that I've experienced as a fan, if I gave you 100 guesses as to what it was, I'm actually not quite so sure you would say what i think in my mind because it actually wasn't a georgia loss believe it or not it was a, a georgia win if you go back to the 2015 season when georgia was on its way to narrowly escaping against georgia southern in athens that day as if memory serves correct, a seventeen-point favorite. The Eagles of Georgia Southern took Georgia to overtime that day. There was a Sonny Michelle touchdown run, which was actually a really good play. I don't certainly fault Sony for this. But a Sonny Michelle touchdown run in overtime to to win the game for Georgia leads to this raucous celebration in the stadium. And listen, I don't fault players for being happy when they win a game, because the fact of the matter is they work hard all week. And when you finally see that work pay off in the form of a win, you probably do feel like celebrating a little bit. And I'm certainly not trying to be, you know, the grinch who stole somebody's happiness when it comes to, you know, college football win, but to see the level of celebration that was going on in Sanford Stadium circa 2015 after beating Georgia Southern when Georgia was a big favorite. But listen, I also kind of grew up at the time in which Georgia Southern was an FCS team. Or back then, we even call it FCS. We called it 1AA. How many of you are old enough to remember back when that level of the sport was called 1AA? That Georgia Southern was a 1AA team and not on the radar of, of Georgia really at all. And all of a sudden in 2015, it seemed like for the folks, at least some of the folks in the stadium there that day, that was a win worth celebrating. And I have to admit, and I say this as someone who truly loved Mark Richt as Georgia coach. I really did. I mean, Richt is the kind of guy that I aspire to be more like each and every day. But when I saw the way in which Georgia fans, in some cases Georgia players, were celebrating a win against a team with all due respect to Georgia Southern that I viewed as a lowly opponent, I have to say that I felt like the program standard had really slipped That Georgia just didn't quite seem to be aware of what it was supposed to be. And really, in a lot of ways, that moment against Georgia Southern ends up being a little bit of a of a precursor for kind of everything that happens after that. Mark Richt eventually removed from his job and Kirby Smart brought in. The rest, as you say, is history. It was a shaky first year for Smart. They lost some games that I think legitimately surprised some UGA fans. It wasn't a very pretty year. It was only eight and five. The following year, though, the magic happens. Georgia brings back some key seniors. They win the SEC. They go to the college football playoff. They win the Rose Bowl, one of the most thrilling college football games in recent memory. And then they come within an eyelash of winning the national championship and that's the kind of the key moment that begins the Kirby Smart era and then after everything after that's been kind of a an attempt to get back to where Georgia was in 2017 well now here we are in 2021 a lot of time seemingly has passed in these early days still early days but not quite as early as they once were when it comes to Kirby Smart and the University of Georgia and Georgia to begin the 2021 season finds itself in a position very very similar to where it has been so much in the Kirby Smart era. A preseason conversation that includes Georgia on the very short list of teams that have a chance to win the national championship, but also thus far a team under Kirby Smart that hasn't quite broken through there in that way. One of the things a lot of folks in the media point out from time to time is that Through these first years of Smart at Georgia, there's so much about his record with the dogs that is almost the mirror image of what Mark Richt also did during his first few years of Georgia there as well. There's been a lot said about that, about just how closely those numerical records kind of stand up with each other. But that has also led a sports writer within the last, what, day or so to write something that I do feel like needs to be corrected just a little bit. And I don't think this is, like, maliciously wrong. I don't think this was an intentional jab at Georgia. I just think it's incorrect. And around here, we try to keep our finger on the pulse of UGA and point out when we think think things are incorrect. There's a guy named Charles Hollis who writes for AL.com. And AL.com is a big website that covers, like, the Alabama teams, Alabama-Auburn. Been a big fixture around, you know, SEC media coverage for a long. Time. In fact, this is the 75th consecutive year they have polled the SCC's SIDs. Now, what is an SID? It's a sports information director. That's essentially the head of PR for the football teams. And, you know, SIDs can become relatively famous just because they hang around programs for a long time. People start to kind of know who they are. And certainly the media works very closely with the sports information directors. And so, therefore, AL.com for a long time has been polling these SIDs about what they think about the upcoming season. and this will make a little bit of news any kind of preseason list typically does but in the story about what the sids kind of voted and picked for the upcoming year there was a quote about what this particular writer charles hollis views as the overwhelming narrative for the league this year georgia trying to close the gap against alabama and finally overtake the crimson tide but in writing about that particular trend the idea that might happen there was a statement made by hollis that i think needs to be corrected not just because this one guy is so wrong but because this particular statement, I think, is fairly reflective about what a lot of people I think assume might be true about Georgia and its fans, which I don't believe is. So, Let me read you the quote by Charles Hollis, and then we'll go uh, from there. So this is what he writes at AL.com. Since taking over at Georgia in 2016, Kirby Smart has put together a 52-14 and 14 record. Hollis goes on to say that's not bad, but it's also not great. Not what many Georgia fans expected when Mark Rick was fired after 15 seasons in November of 2015. Once again, Charles Hollis, AL.com. Now, it's that statement there at the end. Let me read this one more time. When Mark Rick was fired in 2015, folks expected more from Kirby Smart starting in 2016. But is that really true? I mean, is that really true based on those of us who can remember back to 2015, the transition over 2016, and how all that went? I mean, you can still go back and read the Dog Nation archives at the time it was actually fairly controversial. I mean, the, the 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 firing of Mark Rick was not this universal thing that everybody was glad about. It was kind of a 50-50 split. I don't think it's saying too much to say it was a divided fan base at the time, whereas there were people like me, who I told you a moment ago, who had seen ways in which the program had slipped, but there were also people like me that wasn't quite sure I wanted Rick to be you know fully blamed for all of that because, as I said before, Rick was this like personally popular guy. He's this guy that many of us aspire to to be more like and I think that there's a hesitation then to kind of want to blame him for what had happened to the program, the ways in which it had eroded. Because at the time, you got 2015, we were a long way removed from, if you'll remember, like 2012, and Georgia almost won a national championship. All of a sudden, that seemed kind of like in the distant rearview mirror. So when when Kirby Smart takes over in 2016, the idea that people expected him to immediately change everything and just go on an easy march towards a national championship. I don't quite think that's necessarily the case. I mean, uh, there were a lot of people in 2016 when Georgia was struggling through those uh first, you know, that that first generous smart that almost had a little bit of buyer's remorse of when you saw Georgia losing to Vanderbilt, when you saw Georgia losing to Tennessee, when you saw some of the things that happened there that year. A lot of folks wondered, wait, has Georgia entrusted itself to a to an inexperienced head coach, and is Georgia really better off than it was? Uh, you know, before it fired Mark Richt. And if you want to kind of put a finer point on this for a moment, let's go back to something that Smart himself said when he first took that Georgia job, the idea that he was embracing a, a job where you had to win a national championship. Certainly, no matter what the feeling of fans may have been at the time, Smart himself did not shy away from the idea that that's what he was coming to Georgia to do. This is not perfect audio in terms of how well you can hear it, but it does encapsulate Smart from that time of, hey, yeah, we come here for a specific reason. Players, coaches, everything else, we want to win a national championship. This is what Smart said way back in his early days as Georgia coach.
1: As far as expectations, I know everybody wants to talk about it and uh, ask questions about it. For me, it's important for you understand as the head coach of the University of Georgia. I'm proud to be there, but we embrace those as the coaching staff. We embrace those as our players. When you come to the University of Georgia, the expectation
0: So when you hear Smart saying that to the extent that you can hear, I'm not, honestly not quite so sure that audio quality is so bad. It's from a long time ago, but you could tap a phone uh, line and get better audio quality than that. But hopefully you could kind of hear what Smart was saying there. He says, "You when you come to Georgia, you come to win championships, you embrace those championship expectations. But here's the point that I think needs to be made here. When Smart says those things and some of the other things he said around that time, do you remember when there were 93,000 people at Georgia for G-Day? smart said something the effect of when you see all this happening i've always wondered why not us why not georgia you know at other times he talked about the level of depth he wanted to instill in the program the level of intensity at practice they want to instill in the program essentially saying that if you do those things you'll give yourself a better chance to win so when smart talks there about championship expectations i don't think he's reflecting what was already in place I actually think he was reinstilling that, to the extent that's a word, but instilling that once again into the Georgia program after it had probably eroded a little bit. I mean, a fan base that's celebrating winning against Georgia Southern probably does not have a national championship in the crosshairs, in the forefront of its mind, what it thinks is possible. So if there is this huge level of national championship expectations at Georgia, I think it's important to note. That's not that something that Smart inherited. That's something that Smart created based on the fact that he had such great success in 2017, which brings me back to something that I've said before. When you think about Kirby Smart and the fact that Georgia hasn't yet won a national championship, this is not an example of the sand running through the hourglass and time is about to be Kirby Smart's enemy. Smart is still a young guy. On the basis of actuarial tables, he is likely to be George's coach for a very, very long time if he chooses to do so. Time isn't working against Kirby Smart. Time is on his side. And the fact that he's come as close as he has so early in his career to winning a national championship doesn't speak to the fact that 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 georgia hasn't gotten it done in 40 years it's a reminder of just how quickly and how soon that trend may change for georgia in the very near future for kirby now listen i'm a fan i'd love to guarantee that this is the year that it changes or the 2022 season i'd love to tell you the date on the calendar that georgia actually breaks through and finally does win a national championship obviously i can't know that But when you look at the expectations that exist for Georgia now, that's not an enemy to Kirby Smart. It's a source of evidence about Kirby Smart. What he's provided the Georgia program and I think that is worth remembering. Let me quickly say this, it was a busy weekend for Georgia on the recruiting front. Before the show is done today, we'll talk about the very very fun scavenger hunt that seemed to be ongoing. But also shout out to Georgia for uh, also acquiring a recruit there this weekend there as well. A commitment from four-star athlete Jacory Thomas and Connor Riley had a great story about that over the weekend at dognation.com. Jeff had a terrific follow-up on that as well about, you know, just kind of how Thomas ended up at UGA and these fast rising guys are always really interesting for me. You always imagine it must be an incredibly fun time in Thomas's life, the way in which he's grown as a prospect, showing up on a bunch of radars. All of a sudden, now being a position where he can commit to uh, to UGA. Uh, you know, uh, apparently, really showing off some impressive film there. You know, kind of late in his uh, high school career, and, and really moving up the uh, ranks here pretty fast. So there is good reading to be done about this at DogNation.com. Really good stuff from Jeff Centel as Georgia caps off the end of a busy June by not only hosting some top recruits, but also getting a pretty impressive commitment as well. And, of course, we'll talk more about that in the days to come. This is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Pella Window Indoor of Georgia. I am Brandon Adams, and glad to have you with us. If you're on video, it's Facebook, it's YouTube, it's Twitter, it's Twitch. We are back on the radio again today, and I'm so happy to be with our friends in Athens on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref. So much fun to be had there. Uh, Appreciate the folks in the Classic City for welcoming us back in such a nice way. Great to be back on the radio again. Of course, podcast form, the Apple Player... Spotify, Google, I post the show each and every day at the worldfamousdognation.com. Really just thankful to have you with us, no matter how you get to us here today. And of course, a big thanks to our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia for making this all possible. You know, Pella can help equip your house with energy efficient windows and doors. That's a big deal because not only can it make your house look better on the outside, listen, when you go to resell your home, in some cases it also can improve your resale value there as well, just because better, uh, better windows and doors is certainly a popular thing, no matter who you're talking about there. So you can meet up with my friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia, a nationally known company, but also locally owned branch here in Georgia. No pressure consultation to talk about all your installation options and everything that's available to you through a relationship with Pella Window and Door of Georgia. You can take advantage of some great savings right now. Uh, they can replace all your windows with payments as low as $99 a month. That's based on a $10,000 uh, purchase at 84 months if you qualify. So learn more about this. There's a couple of different ways for you to reach out. It's really easy to do so. The website is Pella of GA.com com slash dog nation. That's Pella of GA slash dog nation. Or you can give them a call six seven eight six three eight fourteen ninety six. That's six seven eight six three eight fourteen ninety six. That'll get you in touch with Pella Window and Door of Georgia today. Just do me a favor tell them BA from Dog Nation Daily sent you to them and that I said you would take really good care of you because I know that's exactly what they will do for you. All right, it's John Stinchcomb coming up in a moment. Uh, We'll talk to him about a lot of things going on around UGA. Before we do that, though, I want to go around the doghouse here today, assisted by our friends at AAA. And let me just say this uh, here for a moment, that we had a really fascinating conversation on Cover 4 Live last Thursday, and I think it involved Mike Griffith and me. We're talking about Jordan Davis. Now, the one thing that nobody disputes is, is that Davis is one of the most important players in the Georgia roster for this upcoming season. But the one question you always kind of ask is how you define that level of success for Davis. Like, what is the expectation for Davis because of the position that he plays and how much is the stat sheet supposed to be a part of that? I'll invite you to check out the full show. I thought Mike and I had a pretty good exchange in regards to all of that. But it's actually kind of interesting in the days in which we've kind of made that conversation, Jordan Davis has actually been a part of a video shared by UGA. I saw this on Instagram and it's kind of one of those cool kind of biographical type things of, hey, here's a little bit more for you to know about a Georgia player. And obviously Davis is an incredibly charismatic player, the kind of guy that everybody just kind of likes. But there's one thing in particular, as Davis kind of tells his own story in this video, there was one quote in particular that kind of stood out to me because it did so closely relate to what we had discussed last Thursday on Cover 4 Live. So let me let you hear a little bit of Davis describing his own belief, but his value to UGA, and then I'll have a quick response to that after this. Take a listen to this. So guys, I'm Jordan Davis, and I play defensive line at the University of Georgia. I definitely pride myself as a run stopper I and mean, take on double teams to free up other players. That sheet is nice, but I just want to make sure I can do everything to help my team win. Let me just say this here really quickly, just for a moment, that obviously if you had 85 Jordan Davises saying, Hey, the stat sheet is nice and all, but I just want to make sure I help my team win. If that's what you have going on, then you would clearly be in a great position because Every coach will tell you that the idea of having selfless players, players who are committed to something that's bigger than themselves, willing to commit to the team and believe that you know it's like the old you know corny thing about you know uh, you know big team, little me, or there's no I in team, or whatever the things you've heard over the years. That a guy like Davis, who seemingly on the basis of that quote, really buys into that. Every coach would tell you that's exactly the way that you want your players to behave. So we all understand that. But beyond that obvious statement, let me drill on this a little bit more. As much as I love hearing Davis say, yeah, I'm not about stat sheet, I'm I'm not about, you know, I just want to help my team win, I I like to occupy blockers and let somebody else get the stats, that's a really cool thing to hear Jordan Davis say. But I would suggest, though, this, that the best version of the Georgia defense this season includes Davis being more than just a space eater in the middle of that defense occupying multiple blockers. But if you go back and look at kind of the recent standard for what first round pick defensive tackles have looked like in the SEC, go back to 2019 with a Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina or a Derek Brown from Auburn. If you want to go back to previous year, a Quinnen Williams from Alabama. These were guys that did more than just occupy space in the interior of, of, of a defense. They also dominated the stat sheet. Williams did it to a huge degree in 2018. But Javon Kinlaw, Derek Brown, these were big-time sack guys. These were big-time tackle-for-loss guys. And I do think it's fair to say Jordan Davis, as he grows – and he came back to Georgia for a reason, after all, that he grows into the full potential that he has possessed and displayed here at Georgia – that I do think it probably involves the stat sheet, maybe a little bit more than Davis probably suggested there. That is around the doghouse. It's assisted today by our friends at AAA. And don't forget this we talk about AAA for its legendary roadside assistance all the time. But also be aware that AAA is also a great option for you when it comes to auto insurance there as well. Those that switch and save with AAA save on average $529. That's an incredible value, an incredible deal, so make sure you take advantage of it today. Website to go to aaa.com autoinsurance That's aaa.com All All right, so it's great to have AAA delivering around the doghouse to us here today, and great to have all of you with us there as well. As promised before we're done, we'll look a little bit more deeply at what seemed to be a very successful scavenger hunt for Georgia on the recruiting front this weekend we'll cover that before we're done but for now a little more on the Davis topic we were just discussing and a whole lot more around Georgia football let's get ready to talk to John Stinchcomb here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Pella Window and Door And across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So I bring John Stinchcomb in on this discussion. It's great to have him here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Paloendo Indoor of Georgia. Great to have all of you with us as well. And you know, John, I- I'm wondering if you'll echo what I just said. And obviously, you have every right to go a different way if you want to on this. But as much as I love Jordan Davis's selflessness, we just heard a. A comment from him saying, Listen, I'm not that worried about stats. I like occupying blockers. I like setting my teammates up for success. Everybody wants teammates who say that kind of thing. That's the kind of selfless attitude that I think contributes to a positive team vibe and obviously can help contribute to wins there as well. But I believe that in this final year for Davis at Georgia, he's more than just a role player he's more than just a setup to allow someone else's success that the best version of the georgia defense here this season i actually think involves davis in the stat sheet A little more than the audio we just heard from him that I don't think it's unfair to say, hey, he could be a little bit like what a Javon Kinlaw was once like for South Carolina or what a Derrick Brown was once like for Auburn or, you know, maybe to a degree, maybe a Quentin Williams from Alabama. That's a slightly different kind of player. Uh, What do you make about that in terms of measuring the success for Jordan Davis here this season?
1: Yes, I, I, it's a yes and no for me on that, B.A. Yes, I think he's capable of, of adding more to his stat sheet, and, and he is more than just a space eater. He's a guy that absolutely can take on two blocks, but he's not limited to that. I think he's a guy who's, whose skills exceed just being big. Obviously, his frame is enormous. There's a lot of big players in college football and in the NFL, and if you, if you're looking at that first-round slot, yeah, um, there are some similarities with other defensive linemen that have found success in the NFL that come out of the SEC, but I think he's he's his own animal. Uh, he's more of that nose guard uh, d- defeating two blocks and still able to make tackles for losses player, but he's not the penetrating disruptive force that Derrick Brown was, nor does he need to be. I, that's That's where I think the distinction comes, is uh, he is probably your true 3-4 nose guard that can two-gap and, mm-hmm. and take up those additional blockers and defeat those blockers and push the pocket in, in pass pro. I think there's there's his opportunity to step up his game. Is Yes, I think everyone who watched Georgia play last year saw the drop-off that occurs when he's not on the field, specifically in the run game, his ability to take on – Um, and manage from not only A-gap to A-gap next to the center, but really be disruptive inside the tackles. Any interior run game play, you have to factor in Jordan Davis and his ability to not only take on two blockers, but shed those blockers and make plays on his own accord. Um, But where his opportunity lies is in the pass game. Uh, Yes, he's been a pocket uh, presser and and, come presser, in the past, but can he add to that? I think that kind of takes his game to that next level because you you want him to stay on the field. and when he can transition from being that two gapping run stuffer, recognize it's a pass play and then transition into those pass rush moves uh, quicker with with uh, more sudden recognition. I think that's the improvement for him. And, and you're talking about a guy who already plays at a high level. So yeah. you're talking about moving great to exceptional at this point.
0: So at the risk of burying our audience in minutiae, let me ask you this. In the last full season that Davis played, that's going back to 2019, he had two and a half sacks. Is it fair for me to say, ooh, I'd like to see what was two and a half in 2019 be four or five in 2021 on the basis of – that's not probably taking sacks away from somebody else. That's also assuming those sacks probably come on first or second down because the odds are Davis, typically speaking, has not been on the field very much for Georgia on third down. That If Georgia has this like really robust team sack total, getting a couple of extra from Davis, what you hope is a full year of health for him, and also Georgia playing a full season's worth of games, something it didn't do in 2020. To me, going from about two and a half sacks to about four sacks, five sacks, you know, and I'll just leave it at four or five for a moment. That that would be a big improvement and a nice way to kind of get to that, like say 40-45 team sack total that the great teams seem to find a way to get to.
1: And, and, and if that's the case, he's gonna uh, he's gonna have to do that in first and second down yeah. when it's when it's uh, dual threat offensive situations. Otherwise, uh, as great as Jordan Davis is as a player you have to look at the skill sets of, of those guys around them and you're talking about a guy like Travon Walker and, and Jalen Carter who um, are, are good against the run but you'd have to think have superior skills when it comes to pass rush from an interior position and, you, and you're bringing in you know you're kind of shifting the defense down a little bit letting those quote unquote defensive ends play in the interior so you get your outside linebackers like Adam Anderson and And company, uh, Nolan Smith included in that, as edge rushers. So there comes a point where there's only so many spaces for bodies to be across that front in in typical pass situations. So Jordan uh, is going to have to create those pass rush opportunities when he's on the field in those very clear three, four situations lined up straight directly across the center. I also think that his ability and effectiveness as a pass rusher um, is going to only be complemented by the effectiveness of the edge rushers, and um, th- there's a lot of talent there, but it's also a lot of potential. And, and uh, with potential, you have to actually realize it. So the development of Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith, and and the guys that are coming off the edge in those clear situations. Um, it's going to dictate whether or not the quarterback can, can stay at that depth. You know, As an interior pass rusher, uh, there needs to be a back of the pocket, which means there's got to be an edge rusher that's uh, pushing him up into that danger area for your nose guard to, to be an effective pass rusher. So they work hand-in-hand hand and, and can only help each other
0: i got more questions for John Stinchcomb coming up. I do want to remind folks, though, that college nights are back this year. When it comes to the Atlanta Braves at Truist Park, really excited about that and excited about Thursday, September 30th for the Atlanta Braves against the Philadelphia Phillies. That's going to be the UGA night there for the uh, Braves this year on September the 30th against the Phillies. When you get one of the UGA ticket packs, you get not only a ticket to the game, but you also get the co-branded Braves UGA hat. Many of you have seen these. You know what these look like. This is like the coolest thing in the world this always sells out really fast because the hat itself like sells out you know, like, like crazy so you get the ticket to the game you get the hat you also get this four dollars of every purchase going back to the UGA Atlanta chapter scholarship fund so that's a really good thing there as well this will sell out super fast crazy fast so check out braves.com slash UGA for more details on that that's braves.com UGA and be a part of the college nine coming up for the Braves on September 30th against the Philadelphia Phillies John let me keep my conversation with you going here we are about to reach july 1st that is the date in which the new world of name image likeness takes shape around college football at different times you and i've talked you know some about this here a little bit but it's about to be here it's about to be upon us i'm just curious if your thoughts just kind of broadly generally speaking do you feel like you have a handle on what this is going to look like do you feel like this is i'll just let you take it however you want to take it uh john what do you think
1: uh Well, does anyone have a handle on exactly what it's going to look like? I I, I don't think so. I I think the opportunities abound. And I'm excited because uh, it's it's been pointed in this direction for quite some time. Players have wanted to uh, cash in and and, and use these networks and opportunities that present themselves and have been been there for years. So recognizing uh, their potential – is now at the footstep of, of what can happen come Thursday. Um, I know at the University of Georgia, um, they have had a number of meetings across all sports where they're trying to educate their players as to the right ways and, and what's allowed and how the process is going to look, which is important because it's not uh, a free-for-all. There, there are some restrictions that still uh, will need to be recognized and in place so that they can do this in a way that uh, they they remain compliant. Now, with that said, man, how exciting for these players. And I'm not just you know the 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 big name star quarterback of your football team, but uh, down the line, you're talking about the opportunity to host camps and and make a little money if if you're um, you know, a, a catcher on the softball team, and you want to host something in your hometown, and um, be able to realize a little return on that. Now there there are those opportunities. Now, ba, uh, you look at it and you you think with all these restrictions in place, it will certainly affect um, recruiting and and. Hopefully, I think there's some positives to that. Maybe you're recruiting and, and keeping some of your uh, elder statement that otherwise would be looking to go ahead and make the jump to the NFL. I, that's been a, an issue for me, and I'm sure I'm not alone at looking at guys that I don't see it any other way. I'm going to continue to use this term, quit on your team before the season's over. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there's opportunities for them to, to realize – some sort of cash return, and I'm not talking about pay-for-play, pay for that remains illegal, but if you're still able to, to make a profit off your name, image, and likeness, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, I've got a contract with a local uh, Ford dealership, and um, I can plaster my face on some marketing material for them for a five-figure contract, and still stay at my preferred university, maybe that keeps guys around a little bit longer, and I think that's uh, that could be a positive. But there's a lot of stuff that I think we're, we're about to sit back and witness that uh, they're going to need to iron out because this is a, a game-changing uh, alteration into the way college athletics have been viewed um, that affects literally every student athlete across the campuses of, uh, you know, the the premier D one uh, sports, and also trickles all the way down to uh, your your lesser known schools and and lesser
0: appreciated sports as well. So let me tell you what more of my concerns is. And I'll give you a chance to respond back to this. That with the advent of these new laws and opportunities for players, that we're about to introduce this like whole new category of advisors into the world of all of uh, this. And those are advisors that advisors that we haven't really vetted. Whereas, and I've had people tell me this before, and it is true, that, well, you worry about bad advice from some sort of financial hanger-on to one of these players. It's not like they can't get bad advice from a coach from time to time, too. And that's true. But, John, coaches are famous. And so if a coach were to give bad advice or bad instruction or something along those lines to a player, there's going to be a negative repercussion for the coach for doing that. For instance, let's, let me give you a hypothetical. Let's say a coach puts an injured player back in the game. That would be hugely detrimental to that coach in terms of future players that might want to play for that, for, for that coach. He has a tremendous incentive not to do wrong by the players that are currently playing for him because he wants future players to want to play for him there as well. And there just does not seem to be that same level of vetting process for whoever's going to you know, enter into this d- discussion for players in terms of how they can profit the most on their name, image, a- and likeness opportunity. That's the concern that I have is, is boy, you better hope that a- your favorite team, in this case, obviously, most of our audience are Georgia Bulldogs fans, you better hope the people that are now giving them NIL advice are really giving them good advice because I think it just could be very easy to be drawn astray with all of this.
1: Oh, make no mistake, there are sharks in the water, buddy. They, they smell the blood. There is... Uh, 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 with agents for the NFL, I think there are more agents than players. I mean, there's more guys that are trying to get just a a piece of that money um, for professional athletes. And it's predatory at times. And you're talking about a field that's been established and and still you struggle to regulate it. So we're delving into this new uh, world and opportunity For players, and I guarantee there are people out there, predators, that see it uh, as an opportunity for their selfish and personal gain. So there are going to be a number of promises that are made um, across uh, these agents, agents, that's a, a, a loose term, folks that claim they can help you maximize on your name, image, and likeness that don't have these student-athletes' best interest at heart and and are going to make, you know, there's going to be some bad decisions that are made. And there's going to be an adjustment period where the NCAA or another governing body is going to have to figure out how do we protect and save and, and um, keep our student-athletes safe from these predators. And we don't know what we don't know yet. And it, it's going to be a period where... Uh, There's a lot of, I'm sure, marketing organizations and bodies that are being formed that is going to be great for players. But sadly, there are others that um, are are going to prove themselves to to not be uh, holders of the student-athletes' best interest at heart.
0: I've kept you long i apologize let me squeeze in one thing before we let you go though one of the things we've talked about a lot of the last week is there's a guy named bud elliot writes 24 7 sports who does what he calls the blue chip ratio every year essentially looking at the percentage of former four and five star players on you know various teams rosters you're not surprised to know that georgia ranks second on that list 80 percent of the signees of the course of the last four years are former four and five star recruits it's a phenomenal phenomenal metric That Georgia has has achieved here. Unfortunately, Alabama is still just a little bit higher at 84%. There are a lot of SEC teams, obviously ranked very high there as well. So, you know, John, when you look at the Georgia talent situation, you see a situation where Georgia has measurably more talent than everybody in the SEC but Alabama. Uh, it certainly seems like recruiting alone not going to be able not going to be enough to overtake the Crimson Tide because they just keep recruiting just as well if not better each and every year. So if that alone is not the full and complete formula, then what is kind of that missing special sauce that ultimately gets that done? Well,
1: I think there's two things. I think the first thing is is obviously coaching and. Um, the, the chemistry that's created between a, a staff and the team and the and the players that you have. I mean, you have to have uh, good chefs to make a, a five-star dish. Uh, you can give me all the, the premier ingredients in the world, and I can only do so much with it. Uh, but you get the right chefs in the kitchen, and, and they can come up with a masterpiece. So I think that's number one. Number two is just the synergy that great teams are able to, to create I think leadership is a big factor in a locker room in, in creating an identity for a team um, you look throughout history and it's not always the the most talented team on paper that comes out with the trophy at the end of the season in any sport in, in, and at, at any level um, it, it comes when a team comes together I, you, you don't have to look far pretty far back I mean that Cincinnati team that uh, we found a way to come back against and beat uh there make make no mistake, you look at it on paper and that's a a, a non contest between Georgia and Cincinnati, but the way they played, uh they were the the sum total was better than the parts and that's what great teams are able to do and and the truly special teams, uh especially at this level level, um what makes them special is you you start with great and make it even better and i think that's what georgia has the potential for this season
0: john it's always a great conversation i appreciate you sharing your insight with us here on dog nation daily presented by Pella window and door of georgia hope you have a great week we'll look forward to talking to you again here very soon there as well
1: always a pleasure go dogs Let's take a look around the rest of the league.
0: This is SEC Through. Incredible, incredible stuff from John Stinchcomb. Really fun there. Let me give you a couple of quick things before we move on and do our SEC Through. I told you about this on Friday, and I want to remind you this again, that I think on Wednesday we are slated to reveal the details – dog nation invasion to charlotte yes it is going to happen it's going to go down and i am really really excited about it and one of the reasons why we've had to delay the announcement is because of that push internally to make it as big as we can possibly uh, make it and make the 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 value for each person who you know signs up to be a part of it as robust as we can make it so When we finally get a chance to kind of go public with all this, I'm just really, really excited about it. It's one of the things I probably get asked about more than maybe anything else of are we going to be doing something? Is it going to be like it's been before? And I'm proud to say, boy, when you hear about it all, I think you're going to really think, yeah, this is going to be as good and as fun as anything that we've done. And it really will be because we're we're limited in terms of what we're able to provide. There's just space limitations. So when we give you the all clear that, that it's ready to go, going to be ready to act on it very very quickly that is not hyperbole this will sell out but there are going to be plenty of opportunity are going to be a lot of opportunities but even with a lot of opportunities it will you know sell out uh even still so be ready on wednesday i'll tell you all about it and then at that time i believe it's going to be go time show time for you to get involved for those of you that want to do just that also for those of you that watch the show or listen to the show each and every day don't forget at the end of our broadcast uh every ta- every single day we have a chance for you to interact with comments and be a part of the discussion we call it our rs andrews cool down of course rs andrews makes it all possible for you that's the name to know as well for your air conditioning heating plumbing electric needs you know the things that rs andrews is really good about is for those of you and let's face it a lot of us have these like tired air conditioning units that are kind of probably on their last leg but you can get a little more life out of it if you'll just get it tuned back up to factory fresh specs rs andrews can do that for you it's just 99 dollars. so check that out today rsandrews.com and check us out for the RS Andrews Cooldown immediately after the show, whether you listen on podcast or watch on video. All right, let's do some SEC through stuff for a moment. So first of all, there is this. Tennessee has been ravaged by the transfer portal. We talked about this on Friday that I think there's a really good chance that Tennessee is just awful. I'm talking about just awful, awful, awful because of the players they've lost, as Phil still said on the Fall Paul Bob Show, that's the one category they lead the country in, which is number of players entering into the transfer portal. Add another big name here, Greg Emerson, the defensive end. Many of you know Emerson's game, a pretty well-known type guy. He has now gone transfer portal, too. Another devastating blow to a Tennessee team that has just absolutely been wrecked right now. And for Josh Heupel, you're left to wonder, is Heupel the kind of guy, inexperienced as he is, with this much of a talent deficiency, both in terms of what Tennessee already have, but now guys who've departed from the program, is Heupel going to be able to manage all this? The absence of Emerson, if that's indeed the direction this is taking, is certainly the kind of thing that Tennessee did not need to hear. Also, some more news that Tennessee probably didn't quite need to hear. There aren't a lot of elite high school recruits in the state of Tennessee each and every year, It's just one of the states that probably has fewer of those in the Southern footprint than others do. But for the small handful of four and five-star prospects that have existed in the volunteer state the last few years, one of the sneaky, interesting stories in recruiting has been Tennessee's inability to sign those guys coming out of high school. There have just been big name guys from the state of Tennessee that aren't really giving Tennessee the time of day. Another one of those, I guess, an example of four-star safety, Taylor Groves, over the course of the weekend Uh, and maybe maybe this is appropriate maybe his last name groves the fact that he's going to ole miss the site of the grove maybe that's all meant to be that's appropriate but pretty interesting to see that um that that groves a tennessee native four-star prospect chooses the ole miss rebels over the in-state school There, kind of interesting all the way around on that more sec through news there are new details emerging of the ea sports college football video game when it may return what it's going to look like the money the players will be able to make from this pretty interesting to see obviously i'm not a huge video game guy but i've always loved the college sports college football video game many of you obviously do there as well so exciting to think that's on its way back also interesting to kind of think about the um I guess the ways in which players now have a chance to make money on this my, my theory is, is there's deals like this arrangements like this that I think the NCAA itself is actually fairly comfortable with the idea it's kind of a blanket payment across the board everybody gets it, it they aren't these individual deals negotiated with outside forces it's this kind of sort of insider ncaa agreement with a big company like ea sports who's kind of willing to pay everybody the same thing this is the kind of thing that i think the ncaa really likes but the new nil world obviously they had a million years to instill this themselves and didn't do it but now having their hand forced these are the kinds of payments that i think the ncaa probably likes better than some others speaking of the ncaa there is no other way to say this just incredibly controversial at the College World Series here over the weekend. And now we have a final series involving Mississippi State and Vanderbilt that ought to be a ton of fun, but I think it has absolutely been tarnished by the way in which the situation was handled involving NC State over the weekend. NC State eventually being declared a no contest, allowing their game against Vanderbilt, allowing the Commodores to move on to the championship final. Look, this is one of those touchy subjects I'm not going to get into. You know, my personal feelings on this, or, you know, whatever's, you know, kind of going on, other than to say that there were, as many of you are aware, there were some positive cases of. Coronavirus involving a couple of unvaccinated NC State players that led to more uh, contact tracing and testing to take place. Eventually, NC State just didn't have enough players and had the game late on Saturday night declared a no contest. This is just a mess. It's just an absolute nightmare if you're a Wolfpack fan here and just a tough look all the way around for a sporting event in the College World Series that had been. You know, roundly celebrated for its return after not taking place a year ago. So much positive media coverage, and now this very odd situation that, at the very least, seemed to be handled in kind of a ham handed sort of way. This is just a little bit of a mess, and it's a shame to see a tarnishing of what has been a great event and what ought to be a great final series. Mississippi State trying to win its first national championship. Everybody hates Vanderbilt uh, in baseball, people would love to see them lose and some of the fun has just been kind of taken out of this by the way the nc state thing was handled let me finish this one more quick final story for our sec through here and we'll do this relatively quick there's a guy named dan mcdonald who covers basketball recruiting for rivals.com and he tweeted something over the weekend that kind of got my attention and i thought it was worth bringing up here and so this is obviously for the perspective of basketball but I think it has relevance for Georgia because of basketball, but also potentially for how it could also mirror what's happening in football there as well. So McDonald, who knows basketball recruiting, this is what he writes on Twitter. Can we show this on the screen and uh, give folks a, a chance to see that? So he says, common theme I'm seeing from talking to college coaches lately is that offers are going to be hard to come by for high school prospects and, McDonald says, hard to keep. So if you're a high school prospect that receives an offer and decides it's a good fit, don't play the recruiting game, he says. Go ahead and commit before it disappears. Now, let's assume something for a moment. I think that McDonald's a good reporter probably, but let's assume there's a little bit of hyperbole baked into this, right? The coaches themselves saying this to McDonald maybe have a little hyperbole in their way of describing this, and he's just simply relating back what they say even if we assume that coaches are exaggerating this a little bit hey you know boy if you're a high school recruit you get an offer you better take it because that offer may disappear very quickly if we assume that coaches are exaggerating a little bit when they say that even if we account for some of that there is still a lot of what mcdonald describes there that is probably true based on what we're seeing with our own eyes the fact that What About 2,000 names in the basketball transfer portal. About three-quarters of those have nowhere to transfer to. More than 1,000 names in the football transfer portal. Once again, the average player in the transfer portal does not have another FBS home in which he can kind of move to. That somehow, someway, there are a lot of unintended consequences that seem to be reverberating from the Wild West of one-time transfer and aggressive use of the transfer portal and... I'm glad to see guys like McDonald noticing that. We've seen guys from the 24 7 sports side kind of mention this stuff too, the reporters that are the closest to recruits. At some point in time, though, I hope mainstream media picks this up there as well, those who don't follow recruiting as closely on a daily basis. Simply asking the question. There was a big push to make the transfer portal more open and, you know, liberally used. How, are, how is it working out? Is it really making the lives of the players better who are making use of this? I hope at some point in time we get some uh, reporting on that. We will see. For now, we'll make that your SEC through. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pellawendo and of Georgia, I then want to turn my attention back to the dogs for a moment. Really fun weekend for UGA when it comes to the big scavenger hunt. This has been a recruiting date of note in the past for the dogs. Obviously, last year it couldn't take place because of the coronavirus, but it was back here this weekend, including Walter Nolan, the five-star defensive lineman, who shares a really cool picture of uh, himself and some folks getting together. They were all trying to find Kirby Smart. There are a couple of things that are amazing about this. First of all, it's great to see Nolan back on campus for UGA. In looking at a lot of these photos as well, I'm also amazed at just how good some people are at taking selfies. Like, There's a huge generational divide between people who know exactly how to look at the camera and smile and look exactly the way they're supposed to look. I can promise you that my own personal selfies are never quite that it's like a geometry equation to even get my, all the faces of the people in the photo that i'm trying to uh, get in there but uh nice to see walter nolan and a whole bunch of other recruits having a good time at the scavenger hunt this week and of course there'll be a lot more coverage of that on the pages of dognation.com in the days to come So as we get ready to wrap up, one of the things that we uh, love to do around here is give out a Golden Shoe Award. Now, sometimes it's a part of our Gator Hater Roll Call where we obviously acknowledge those who were really good at hating on the uh, Gators, and other times it's just kind of whatever we want it to be. Today, we're going to give one out to a former UGA athlete of note, Harris English, who made a great run last week at the U.S. Open before uh, finally being overtaken by John Rahm, but he comes back in a big way at Hartford this weekend at the Travelers Championship. How about the marathon play? playoff eight holes for English but he eventually emerges as the winner there takes on the trophy at the Travelers Championship so congratulations to the former dog Harris English By the way, The Travelers is another one of those uh, golf events that give out. There's a lot of golf events that give out jackets. Obviously, the green jacket, most famous. You've got the tartan there and uh, Hilton Head. And Travelers gives you the navy blue blazer, I guess. Nonetheless, uh, good job, Harris English. Gatorator Countdown, how about 124 days? We'll see you tomorrow Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. And on the podcast, time now for R.S. Andrews Podcast, Cool Down. Brought to you by our friends at R.S. Andrews. Of course, the one to know for your... Air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. Find them online at rsandrews.com. Uh, so a lot of the comments today related to our topic from Friday and the very, very strong words from former Georgia linebacker Rennie Curran. Got a couple good ones here on Twitter I wanted to read to you and a few from our comments section there dognation.com there as well. I like this from Seth Rhodes who said, If Rennie Curran isn't making the big speech before the Army charges the enemy in the next blockbuster movie... <laughs> Hollywood uh, will have seriously failed us all. Yeah, if you didn't get a chance to hear Friday's show, you should go back and check that out. Just very, very passionate speech from Curran about the way in which his college experience at the University of Georgia has impacted his life now, and it was just really well done. I'm glad to know that that's what Georgia shares with its recruits, that kind of message. And it is an important reminder, because you know, on our video show, we do a video cool-down in addition to our podcast cool-down. One of the things that came up is the way in which some programs sell glitz and glamour, you know, USC has done well in recruiting as of late, and Miami's doing better. And there's this, you know, very, very glamorous version of what a visit to Miami must be like, and what a USC visit must be like. And make no mistake about it, Georgia can also kind of share its own version of glamour, because it is one of the glossiest programs in college football. There's a way to make a Georgia visit seem very luxurious, I'm sure. But it's also important to note this, that not every recruit is swayed by the sexiness of a locale. If it was, then schools like Miami and USC and Hawaii and places like that would get all the recruits. There is still very much kind of this sort of wholesome homespun aspect to recruiting of a big factor in the decision are the parents themselves. And parents want to entrust their sons in places that are going to make them better men. That's still a huge part of this. Really, even for the players themselves, intuitively, I think they have an idea that I need to go to a place that's going to get the most out of me. And so it's kind of interesting to think that a motivational speech of sorts from Curran would be a big part of a Georgia recruiting pitch, because I think it speaks to not just the come here and live the good life, although Georgia certainly provides that for the players who are lucky enough, privileged enough to get a chance to play there, but also come here and be the best version of yourself you can be. When I was a kid, the Army had that commercial, be all you can be. You know, that was like the Army's recruiting pitch on TV. And I mean, I would say that Georgia has its own version of that. When you hear a guy like Curran saying what he said, that that is Georgia's way of saying, hey, if you come here, that full potential that you possessed. That thing inside of you that knows you can be more than what you've been up to this point in your life. You can achieve that. You can be all you can be, all you have the capability of becoming. You can unlock all of that here, and a guy like Curran being an example of that, it's cool to think that a recruiting pitch to the next generation of Georgia players involves more than just you know, how good the food is or how pretty the girls are or how you know, what other other superficial thing that might be a part of that decision. It's also something a little bit more, you know, substantial than that. Uh, Silver britches on the uh, comment section at dognation.com uh, also kind of weighing in on this to say Mr. Kern is a DGD. Much respect to him. Uh, one Sikkim Dogs One also agrees with that there as well. Tommy Lee says Mr. Kern will always be a DGD. So very, very popular was the statement from from Rennie Curran from Friday Show Forestry Dog, who's a very talented, uh, we call it like Photoshop guy, uh, gives a shout out to uh, Florida Quarterback Commit Nick Evers' mom Monica Evers, who's done kind of a cool video uh, pushing players to come to Florida. Um, it is kind of fun, and he said that uh, Mrs. Evers was better than Florida's recruiting department at making Florida recruiting videos. It is kind of funny how talented some of these. You know, folks are these days. We just live in a modern time where making cool videos is just easier to do than it ever has been before. And it is kind of funny, you know, the same way we've seen certain parents of Georgia recruits become pretty famous during the process. In this case, Monica Evers, I guess, kind of in the same thing there. Uh, a really good-looking video. It's kind of a movie trailer-style video, very well done by her. I'm glad Forrester Dog uh, shared that. And yeah, I mean, listen, if you're a pro in the industry, you've got to do a lot just to keep pace with the amateurs these days, it seems like, because of how, how strong the, uh, the the editing skills have become. So uh, good stuff all the way around. Thanks for being here for R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. I appreciate that. I hope all of you have a great day. I look forward to seeing you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. I'll look forward to talking to you then, everybody.